Our reading is taken from John chapter 8, beginning with verse 1. Jesus went to the Mount of Olives. Now early in the morning, he came again into the temple, and all the people came to him, and he sat down and taught them. Then the scribes and Pharisees brought to him a woman caught in adultery. And when they had set her in the midst, they said to him, Teacher, this woman was caught in adultery in the very act. Now Moses in the law commanded us that such should be stoned. But what do you say? This they said, testing him, that they might have something of which to accuse him. But Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger, as though he did not hear. So when they continued asking him, he raised himself up and said to them, He who is without sin among you, let him throw a stone at her first. And again he stooped down and wrote on the ground. Then those who heard it, being convicted by their conscience, went out one by one, beginning with the oldest, even to the last. And Jesus was left alone, and the woman standing in the midst. When Jesus had raised himself up and saw no one but the woman, he said to her, Woman, where are those accusers of yours? Has no one condemned you? She said, No one, Lord. And Jesus said to her, Neither do I condemn you. Go and sin no more. These are your words, Heavenly Father. They are your truth. We pray that you would increase our faith through them. Amen. Fifty years ago this year, In northern Ohio, on the campus of Kent State University, there was a famous shooting that took place. There had been an anti-war protest that morning, and um, there were hundreds of students gathered, and some National Guard troops began firing into the crowd because they thought that somebody had a gun shooting at them. And it turned out that four people were shot and killed, four students. But one bullet went all the way across campus, about like from here to the Sports and Fitness Center. And there was a young man, a student who was coming out of of a classroom, and it hit him in the neck and came out his jaw. And he fell to the ground bleeding, and he thought for sure he was going to die. And there was no one around him to take care of him at the moment. And in a documentary about this and his memory and recollection of that day, He said, I thought I was going to be bleeding to death, dying there. And so I immediately began confessing my sins to God. It's an interesting reaction, isn't it? Young man about your age, faced with death and imminent death that's coming upon him. And his reaction is this this sense of guilt before God and a feeling of a need that, that he has to now confess his sins before God. I often wonder what was going through the mind of this woman in our text as she's now about to be stoned to death, having been caught in the very act of adultery. Think of the guilt on her mind and heart that she knows not only everybody there holding stones at her feels against her, but God as well. What kind of thoughts were running through her mind and her heart when this situation came up? Jesus had been gaining popularity with Crowds were told, people were gathering around him at the temple to come and hear him. And many of the spiritual leaders of the day uh, were jealous of his popularity. And uh, so they bring this case before Jesus, hoping to kind of trap him, hoping to show that either he's soft on sin or possibly that he's harsh on sinful people. But Jesus has not come into this world 
to involve himself in matters of civil court. Jesus isn't concerned so much. He certainly cares about that, but that's not the great concern for him. He once said, my kingdom is not of this world. To our Lord Jesus, his primary issue and concern is always the spiritual court between our hearts and the heavenly court above with God. Jesus possesses a quality that's different than anybody else in the crowd that day, a characteristic of being able to read hearts. And he's able to read this woman's penitent heart, and he's also able to read the self-righteousness that's in the hearts of those that are holding stones about to bring her to her death. And we have this very interesting little detail in our text. There's a lot of cool details in this, in this text, by the way. I love this one. Jesus stooped down and wrote on the ground with his finger as though he did not hear. Think what that looked like in front of this scene. Everybody ready with rocks in hand to kill this woman for her sin. And he stoops down and just starts playing in the dirt. It's as if Jesus wants to reset the scene he wants to recalibrate the moment in everybody's minds in such a masterful way. Because what he's about to do is reset everything in terms of not what public opinion is feeling about this woman, but how do any of us relate to a holy God? That's really the issue that Jesus wants to bring up. And so he responds so masterfully by merely making the request that the one without any sin throw the first stone. He, he takes the very law that these people were going to use to accuse and put this woman to death and turns it on them and drives it into their own hearts, drives it down into their own conscience and says, take a look at yourself first. And I love this other little detail the Holy Spirit puts in. Beginning with the oldest to the youngest, they dropped the rocks and walked away. Why? Why oldest to youngest? Here's why. Talk to any of us who have gray hair on our head and we'll tell you that we've got a much longer list of evil and sin in our lives than any of you young people. The older you get and the more realistic and honest you are with the law of God about yourself, the more you really start to realize how undeserving we are of ever going to heaven, how, how much guilt we have before God. If he ever wanted to treat us the way we deserve, we just shudder to think of it. But look at how Jesus treats this woman. We see this, this marvelous, tender grace of God that comes out in, in front of this horrific sin of adultery, even someone caught in the physical act. And yet he comes and shows her such kindness and such forgiveness. Martin Luther, when he wrote about this text, has a great statement. I love this. He says, Christ drapes the mantle of his righteousness over her to protect her. That's really cool. Christ drapes the mantle of his righteousness over her to protect her. That's what our Lord Jesus does for each one of us when we bow before God confessing our sins. And with such tenderness, he now comes to her aid. He says to her, where are your accusers? They're nowhere to be found. Neither do I condemn you. Jesus is speaking on behalf of the much higher court, just as he does through those who preach and proclaim his word of absolution today. Even if, the, even if the court of public opinion should know about your wickedness and your sin and condemn you, to the penitent who are clinging to the mercy of God in Christ, Jesus comes to us and says, neither do I condemn you. Now, one last little detail in our text. Jesus says to her, now that she's forgiven before God, he says, 
Go and sin no more. He's come into the dungeon of our wicked, evil world to get us out of this dungeon of sin by his death on the cross. He's done that for every one of us. He doesn't want us to run back in and play in that dungeon. Go and sin no more. Where are our accusers today? There might be people that that know stuff in your life. It might even be your own heart. It might even be your own conscience that still accuses you. But thank God that God is greater than our hearts. And he speaks to us with his mercy and forgiveness through the mouth of Christ. And he asks us, so where are your accusers? God is the only accuser that matters. And through Christ, that accusation has been wiped away.